Hello, just before we begin this week's episode, I'm walking a very special musical Camino in May 2024, and I'm inviting you to join me. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? I'm walking from Leon to Santiago de Compostela in the first three weeks of May next year. I'll be performing concerts along the way. Pilgrims walking with me will pay a fee and every cent will go towards making my new album, Storyteller. We are already selling spots, so if you're interested, join now. Just go to danmullinsmusic.com. There's a list of frequently asked questions and a basic itinerary. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? Join me for a magical musical Camino. To reserve your spot, go to danmullinsmusic.com. Won't you join me? Won't you join me? Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. It's great to have your company. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. The Camino winds its way through valleys and byways across Europe. You drag your aching body into tiny pueblos in Spain or Italy, France, right across Europe. It's pure joy to have the opportunity to switch off from the day-to-day grind of whatever year you're walking to embrace the simplicity of pilgrimage, one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, one breath at a time. You carry only the bare supplies, a change of clothes, some first aid supplies, water, toiletries, and you simply walk. You don't have to connect to the rest of the world. You simply be. It's the gift of pilgrimage, the gift of time, a gift you give yourself. And we give gifts to others all the time, rarely to ourselves. But pilgrimage is a gift to yourself. You know, spring in Sydney is just so beautiful. The jacaranda trees flower at this time of the year. And it serves as an annual reminder that Christmas is on its way. When I was in high school, it signalled exams. My late mother-in-law gave me some bulbs to plant years ago, probably more than a decade ago. I call them Joyce's November lilies. They're flowering now. In fact, I've moved them three or four times and they still surface and flower at the same time each year. I think spring can be a reminder of just how beautiful the world can be. It's Mother Nature's creativity writ large. Creativity in my life is music and in some ways this podcast. It can also be in how you deal with others, a gentleness and acceptance. You'll quite often find yourself being gentle and accepting on the Camino. And if you're lucky, you'll take some of that home with you after your Camino. Creativity and music or art. And I saw the most exquisite work this week. A musician friend of mine makes miniature streetscapes and installs them on bookshelves. So you have books on two of your three shelves and on the third is a streetscape of your local neighbourhood or the main street of the town where you grew up. I was astounded by the quality and detail of his work. And it got me thinking about art. The playwright George Bernard Shaw said, You use a glass mirror to see your face. You use works of art to see your soul. Well, my guest this week is an artist and a minimalist. Kari Gale is on the line from Oregon in the United States. Welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Kari, first off. How and why did the Camino come into your life? Well, Dan, um, to go back uh, just about, well, exactly a decade, I um, I went through a really difficult divorce. And um, in the process of that, um, my sister and I decided that we would walk the Camino. And um, really, it was a way for me to grieve. It was a way for me to take a moment in my life and acknowledge that grief, but then also to sort of take a breath and imagine what my life could be because really everything, you know, it was like a blank canvas. And 
when your life sort of implodes that way, it can be terrifying and it can be exhilarating and it can be both exactly at the same time. And so the Camino gave me a moment to kind of reimagine my life. Yeah, right. So what made you think of the Camino as a means to get over something like the end of your marriage? Well, it was very interesting. So both my sister and I had studied overseas in Spain when we were in college many, many moons ago. And um, we had both heard about the Camino, but it wasn't a popular thing at that time. This was the the early to mid nineties. And so uh, nobody was really walking it in the you know capacity that they do now. Um, there sure, surely there were f- some folks, but um, we got invited to, which I know many, many Americans found their, literally their way to the way through this movie, the way that to be corny and silly, mm-hmm. but uh, she invited us to see um, that movie. And uh, that was about a year year and a half before we walked it. And after walking out of the theater, um, I just knew that that was something that I had to do and that it would be, it ended up being, Dan, kind of, um, it was this thing I could look forward to and plan in the midst of everything else going, going, you know, wrong in my life. And so it really gave me this beautiful, um, I don't want to say a carrot per se, but it was this, it was this, thing that I could focus my energy on. And, um, you know, when you have something to look forward to that, that changes everything. And so, um, so so for that really hard year and a half where I was separated and then eventually got divorced, um, I always had the Camino and I knew that I was going to be going on that. And so it was, it was an incredible, um, therapeutic for me, honestly, Yeah. even before I, yeah, how fantastic. You know, I heard someone on the radio say just the other week, I mean, you have to have three things. You have to have something that you love. Um, something that keeps you busy and something that you look forward to. Absolutely. I thought that was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I began by saying that you're an artist and a minimalist. I should know this. I ought to. Anyway, what is a minimalist? Well, for me, um, so a lot of folks uh, immediately equate minimalist with someone that um, – well, lives in a tiny house. It's been kind of a trend. And I, in fact, do live in a tiny house. And that's where I'm talking to you from. Um, I I became a minimalist in the sense that as I went through my divorce, I just started shedding a lot of my possessions. And I wasn't, I didn't start out even thinking I would be in a tiny house or I would build a tiny house, but I, I sold the home that my husband and I had had remodeled and moved into an apartment. And then after I moved into that apartment, I decided to sell everything I owned and go travel for about a year and a half in 2015, 2016. And so it was just this kind of natural, organic getting rid of things. And at the end of the day, I realized I was so happy not having these things um, that when I came back to the States, I um, I really sat down to try to figure out how I could have a more creative life, one that wasn't so attached to a nine to five job. And one of those things was having a very small living space. And so that kind of led me down the path of, of building a tiny house. And because I live in a tiny house, it is to me in a beautiful way to really be very, very um, thoughtful and mindful about what I own. Um, so I live in a tiny house. Um, my sister and I share a car. So she lives across town and we 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 each get it for you know a week and then we give it to the other person so we plan our trips very very um you know again thoughtfully and mindfully um you know i everything i own is in this house i don't have another storage unit so if i buy a piece of clothing i usually take a piece of clothing to goodwill or give something away so it's made me really um aware of what I own, what I have, what I use. And honestly, I don't think I'll ever go back. Even if I, I don't think I'll always live in a tiny house. Um, but for this moment in my life, it's been perfect. Um, but I love the idea of always being mindful about what I own. And I think I'll carry that with me um, wherever I live. Yeah. Wow. So just to describe a tiny house to us. What does it look like? Well, um, I, it was honestly, Dan, it was my 15 minutes of fame. Um, uh, have you ever heard of Bryce Langston? He did, um, he is the, uh, it's uh, Living Big in a Tiny House. Oh, okay. Living, yeah, uh, I, saw, I saw it yeah, on your website. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So he is probably one of the most uh, uh, aficionados of, 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 of introducing folks to a tiny house. And so I was featured on his um, on his YouTube show. And so um, there's a wonderful video and I, could, I can send you the link so you can share it with your folks. Um, but it's 200 square feet and um, uh, it is eight feet wide by 24 feet long. And um, I have everything I need here. I have um, there's a couple really distinctive things about my house, which are really fun to see, especially when you see them on a video because it's, it's, it's such a visual thing, but my bed is actually, um, it's on a whole system where it sits up in the ceiling in the day. And then at night I bring it down, um, with a, with a remote control. So it kind of sits over my couch. Um, part of the reason I have that is I'm very, very tall. I'm six foot three. And so for a woman, I mean, that's not, that's not incredibly tall, but it, it's, <laughs> that's tall. it's tall enough that's It's tall. Tall. tall enough that in a tiny house, you'll see a lot of folks will have their kitchen or living space underneath a loft. Mm-hmm. And so because of my height, if I wanted to stand up in my kitchen, there's no way I could sit up in a bed. And so my father, who um, he's passed away now, but he and I um, worked on this together and he was an architect and he designed this really wonderful space for me, um, taking into account that I needed something different. So um, I have this really cool kind of transformery bed and then also a wardrobe that moves in and out of the shower. So the shower space is it's like a, du- a dual space. So it, it houses the wardrobe when I'm not using it. And then I kind of roll the wardrobe out of my wow. shower space. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's um, I, I, I love the space. I got to really design really every part of it and so um it was it was a labor of love yeah great oh how cool and it's it's bespoke right so it's your own tiny house completely bespoke i hired a contractor and then um with my you know my dad's plans um i built it with him when i say i built it with him i'm gonna laugh a little bit but (laughs) i was like i was the unskilled labor i ran to home depot probably five times a day (laughs) <laughs> I was I was the like the helper, but I did do almost all the tiling, all the sanding, all the painting, all the insulation. You know, I, I really I did a lot. So yeah. it was it was a lot of fun. You teach travel journal workshops. Tell us about your teaching work. Uh, and and I'm fascinated. Like, is it a one on one sort of system, or am I part of a class if I sign up? How does it work? your teaching uh, workshops? Well, I first started probably, uh, well, exactly in January of 2020, my very first live workshop. And I did a workshop here with, you know, a group of 15 folks and was really excited about it. So it was, it was personal one. It wasn't one-on-one, but it was a, I was teaching live. And then of course the pandemic slammed, slammed into the world and shut everything down. And so Later that year, I started doing online workshops through Zoom. And then um, I did that for the last several years. And then just recently, um, this last summer, I moved my courses, um, my workshops into online courses. So um, what I what I was excited about in that process is um, it's hard for people to, you know, just trying to find a time for you and I to talk. It's hard for people around the world to all everyone get together at the same time on you know on a on a Saturday morning and so I wanted people to be able to access these courses anytime they wanted to and to work through them at their own pace and so um so I took everything that I teach in the online or on the in the workshops and I made them into courses and I was super excited to launch that this summer um I think I will still do live courses I haven't done any in the last few months just because I took a little break from them but I do love teaching live but I also love the aspect of folks being able to really um move at their own pace because art is so it's such a personal thing and you know so someone can go through lesson 1 if they want to spend more time on that they can rather than within uh, on a zoom on a zoom workshop we only have 2 hours and we move through that so fast so it feels like i'm throwing so much at my class i like i like having this option for someone that wants to move through it at their own pace what's the difference between a journal and a diary it's a very good question um i would say 
You know, I think of a diary as more uh, something I had when I was maybe like 10 and it had a little lock on it. <laughs> and it was maybe pink <laughs> and said, you know, a little hard or something. I think a journal tends to be, um, for me, I record my thoughts and emotions, but I also record like experiences and logistics, where I'm traveling, where I'm going. It isn't necessarily so private to me, although although I do record very personal things in my journal. But for me, a journal is, um, it's really, a, a, it's documenting your life. It's mm-hmm. documenting your experiences. And so whatever those, that, those things might be. And for me, it includes art, obviously. And um, that experience of having the art pieces in there is so profound. And the reason why it's profound is because when you sit down to draw something, um, you slow down. You have to really take a breath. You're looking at something. You're, um, and I wish I was the scientist and I could tell you all the things that are happening in your brain. But my experience is that, is that you remember things in such a different way when you're drawing. You, I, I can look at a picture in my journal and I can remember the sounds, the smells, the the things that were going on in that moment, and it it immediately just takes me right back to that moment in time. So instead of just having, and don't get me wrong, I love photographs. Photographs are amazing. But uh, when you take a photograph, sometimes you go back and you don't even know where it was. You yeah. you know, you're flipping through, especially now with digital photography, right? You, you can take so many pictures. But when you sit down to draw something, you really immerse yourself in the moment. And I when I teach my courses, I really... Um, I ask the students to remember that they're capturing not an exact replica of reality. They're capturing the essence of a moment. And so kind of releasing that idea of perfection and and letting go of that and asking them to just be present and be in a moment. And so that, that combination of art and then for me writing as well in my journal is just like, it's this time capsule. Yeah. But can we all draw? I mean, can we all record those images our minds images in a journal can we is that can you teach it to everybody absolutely absolutely i think everyone can draw i think there is this misnomer so you're a musician hmm. i would never expect so i used a long time ago dan i played the flute ah. I played all the way through my high school years, um, and then I let it go because it was not my 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 heart's desire to continue to play. But I would never expect to pick up my flute the first day and know how to play anything. I had to go through really awkward sounding, you know, note scales, and and you know, it, it wasn't pretty. Let's just say that. And it took a while. It took a couple years of me practicing very simple songs, playing very simple things. And then I grew and my skills grew, right? And we we think that about music. We know that about music instinctually, but people don't think that about art. They think if they don't sit down and draw something beautiful, they're not an artist. And that's not true. Art can be taught in just the same way. It One of the main things that people don't realize is that if they practice and do, do a piece of art on a regular basis, they are they're going to get better. They, they can't help but get better. Most of the folks in my courses that take courses or workshops, almost all of them, I would well, only say this. I would say 70% of them don't have any prior, they're not, they wouldn't call themselves an artist. They haven't taken any other courses. They might've done something 20, 30 years ago, yeah. but they're not practicing artists. They have a desire to, to capture their journeys. And so, um, yeah, I think everyone can learn how to draw. How? Absolutely. And I try to teach, I try to teach in a way that's very simple yeah. so that everyone can, so it doesn't feel overwhelming. Yeah. How fantastic. I really like that suggestion that it's like a musical instrument because I tell people, they come to me and say, oh, I wish I could play the guitar. Or I say, what's stopping you? Exactly. What's stopping exactly. you? Exactly. I say that to people all the time. Start today, and in six months' time, you'll have been playing guitar for six months. It's, that's it's it's exactly the same with yeah, art. Yeah. If you start today and you start to draw in six months, you're going to see this massive improvement. So one of the, the the very first time that I actually started drawing in my journal was on 
my first Camino. And I, I didn't, I had never done journal art before, had never done landscapes. I had done like big, bold sort of acrylic flowers. That was kind of what I did. And, um, and I had taken a course, um, so I didn't really take art as a child. Um, I always, I did like to draw and I, I liked to have my hand in artistic things. Um, but I always would get really overwhelmed by the idea of painting like a landscape. And so uh, I took a course um, on um, perspective uh, at the, it was the PNCA here, which is the Portland, Portland Northwest College of Art. And it was an adult continuing education class. And um, he took our, the first day, wonderful teacher, he took all of our pencils away and gave us ballpoint pens. And we all were shocked and dismayed, to say the least. And he started the whole class, the whole course we had to do with ballpoint pens. And so one of the things that I do is I actually do that with my students is I, I we do the course with a ballpoint pen, which is very, feels very um, bold. People are a little bit taken aback. But here's the deal is when you start learning how to be bold with your lines, you grow so much quicker because the vast majority of us are perfectionists. We put a line down, we erase it. We put a line down, we erase it. And when you have a ballpoint pen, you really have to just put something down on a page and let go of it and not, and not have, not be so precious about it. And so I decided to take a journal with me based on this, this class, I'd never done journaling before. I thought, you know what? I'm walking the Camino. I'll take this journal. I'll take this ballpoint pen and I'll take this little tiny kit of paints that my aunt had showed me how to make. And I thought maybe I'll draw. Maybe I won't. Very first day out of the gate, climbing up to Orison, uh, on the, you know, the very first little day. And, um, my sister and I walked together, but as I'm so tall, I, I got to our destination sooner than she did. And so I sat down to wait for her and I took out my journal. It was just so stunningly beautiful. I'm, I'm in the Pyrenees, right? Yeah. I'm in the Pyrenees and it's stunning. So I, I'm like, well, I'll just do a little sketch. So I did a little sketch and, um, it was just so much fun. It was so much fun to just do exactly, to paint exactly what was in front of me and not try to think of how do I, where do I go find the most beautiful thing? I think that's the other thing too, is that we, we, when we travel, we're like wanting to find the cathedral, wanting to find the most kind of touristy thing. And, and for me on the Camino, I was able to sit down and just draw exactly where I was. And this pattern of what happened that very first day continued because I would get to our albergue. I, my sister and I decided very, it feels felt radical. Then it feels even more radical. Now we didn't take any cell phones with us. Oh, so, so we wanted to leave all of our digital things at home. So we, uh, we would know that we were going to choose a certain town to, to sleep in that night. But then, um, because she would sometimes would be a half an hour behind me or an hour behind me, I would go to the albergue. I would grab a, our, get our bunks, grab a glass of wine, and I'd have to head back down to the Camino to sit down and wait for her because she didn't know exactly where we were um, going to sleep that night. Right. So I would sit down, take out my journal, and I would draw until she got there. So she she says that she was my my muse because if she hadn't been a slow walker, I would never have been drawing in the journal. So this happened every day and I started, I started to draw every day. I literally drew every day of my Camino. And after that 40 days, so we did, uh, our, our, our Camino was from Saint-Jean to Santiago on the Camino Frances. And so we did 36 walking days and four rest days. And I drew every single day. And it honestly was one of, it was this beautiful rhythm I developed and it, um, it, forced me and again in this beautiful way to be so present because I'd sit down in the town I'd look around the town and each I have each day documented um and when we talk about the Camino now so many years later my sister will say what was that town and I'll be able to name it because I really cemented the memory of each of those places by sitting down and doing a drawing there and um it really changed the way I think about art because as I said prior it would I'd want to like well, I should draw something really meaningful something important and it changed it to being uh more of a, a process of thinking 
just what I have in front of me is so beautiful. What you were you were reading right before we started the the um, conversation about just the spring, and of course we're heading into winter here, but we are have the most gorgeous leaves right now. And even though it's been raining and wet, it's just so stunning just to be aware of what's in front of you. And I think that's one of the main things that journaling, journal art has done for me is it's forced me to be present in a, in the moment rather than um, trying, you know, we, we, we spend so much time in our minds in the future or in the past. And so I'm constantly trying to do things for myself to bring myself back into the moment. Yeah, you mentioned just before um, how you had this um, travel art kit. In the first draft of the interview, I had a question about lugging a huge art kit with you on the Camino, but then I saw on the website you talk of a tiny minimalist travel art kit, and you just mentioned it a moment ago. Tell us about a tiny minimalist travel art kit. Yeah, so this was such a beautiful gift. I wish I'd come up with this idea. Um, it's fantastic. So... Um, I use what are called, um, they're, they're, um, oh, I'm not going to say this properly with a, with my accent, but they're, it's the Carandosh brand and they um, are water soluble wax pastels. So I basically just cut the end off of them. They come in a crayon and I cut the end off of them and I stick them in a little tin and um, I basically, it's the size of the smallest Altoy tin. Um, it, right. it works perfectly. And basically, then you use a, uh, I use a water brush, so the water's stored in the handle, so you don't have to carry any other device to hold your water, you just have the water in the brush, and um, and then you have your tiny little art kit, and so you basically just use that water brush with those pastels, just like watercolor, so you just add a little water to the end of that pastel, and it works just like watercolor on the page, it's actually really magical, I, I originally come from a watercolor that I've been painting watercolor for a long time prior to this. So to be able to have this very tiny light kit and, you know, when, you know, when you're walking the Camino weight is everything, right? Yeah, you just, yeah, you yeah. want to get rid of anything that you, you, you don't have to. So having this very minimal light, you know, kit was, was essential for me. And I have seen some other amazing artists walk the Camino and actually bring I think there was one, I read a story about an artist who had like a, they brought huge canvases and I think they actually had like a horse or a mule or something to carry all their supplies. And it was, and their paintings were out of this world, like stunning, stunning. But I knew that wasn't going to be the case for me. I wasn't, that was, I wasn't interested in that type of process. Um, so I, that was, that was really my first experience ever, Dan, using that, using that journal, using that kit. And I haven't stopped since. I haven't looked back. I, wow. I've been using it for over 10 years now. Yeah, I, I want to get to a couple of books that you've put together. Um, and I also want to talk about um, some of the work, of the other work you're doing um, and prose yeah. and poetry and, and stuff as well. But there was an exhibition in Santiago de Compostela in Finisterre. Were they the, the works that you had drawn on the Camino? And then, so you sketch them and then later or that night, or when would you do the, the adding the color and the texture using that, the brush? Yeah, so the works, the, the I did two exhibitions in 2016 and one was in, in Finisterre and the other was in, um, oh my goodness, I'm having a complete blank, but the the beautiful big hotel in Santiago. Oh, yeah, um, Death Paratory, thank yeah. you. And um, I, what that exhibition was, was it was art from my first Camino. And then I also, right prior to that exhibition, the the fall prior to those, to, to 2016, I had walked the Camino Portugues from uh, Lisbon, north to Santiago. And I'd done that alone. And so I didn't draw every day on that Camino, but I did, I did probably every other day, every third day. And so I, in, in magical Camino happenings, I, I ran into um, some folks who really wanted to help me show my work and introduced me to the, the general manager of the Parador at that time, a wonderful man named Julio. And he also was connected to Finisterre. That's where he grew up. And so uh, I, I didn't know how I would do an exhibition because my journal is tiny. And so what I did is I ended up scanning all of that art and then I worked with a printer in Santiago and we 
uh, we scaled those pieces up so they were basically wall size art and they were on that you know type of a like a hard plastic that you see in like museum exhibitions oh yeah right yeah how fantastic yeah and so yeah so it was it was wonderful um it was such an amazing experience so i got to show all of that work in finisterre in the in the lighthouse which was so much fun because the, the pilgrims were ending their camino and then they would walk into the lighthouse and they just we got to, I got to talk to all of these pilgrims right at the end of their journey. And then they would walk through and they would, you know, be pointing out, Oh, I was, Oh, I know that spot. That's where we stayed. Um, wow. And uh, it was, it was so amazing. And then that ex ex exhibition moved to the Parador a few months later. And so I got to do the same thing in the Parador. Um, but both exhibitions were amazing, but honestly, the one in Finisterre was, was so special. It was so dear to me because of, because of that moment to yeah. have, them ending their Camino and then having that connection with me was, was, it was amazing. Wow. It, this is a podcast, so you can't see Kari's face, but she's glowing. <laughs> You're glowing <laughs> telling that story. That is so funny. Oh, it's so much fun. Tell us about the book, The Art of Walking, an illustrated journey yeah. on the Camino de Santiago. I love that, the, the concept of the art of walking. Oh, thank you. Um, I so those that book is all of the drawings I created on my first Camino on that trip from Saint Jean to Finisterre. And what's amazing about it, Dan, is that I like creating a body of work. So a lot of artists, you know, you you see a painting and you think this is a painting they wanted to show you. They finished it, they made it perfect, or as close to perfect as they could, and they put it on the wall. The thing I love about this book and 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 doing a project that's a body of work is you can literally see from the very first day all the way to, you know, the 40th day, the difference in my skill because I hadn't really done that type of work before. So not only are you walking through the journey of the Camino with me, you're seeing that journey of my art progress. And um, it's such a good reminder because there, I'll be honest, there are some drawings in that first couple of weeks that I wasn't super, I didn't love them, but they were still that moment in that day. And they're still, because of that, they're still so meaningful to me. So I love the idea of taking these drawings. Now I didn't come up with this idea on the Camino to do the book. It was, it was just the fact that I had this book of drawings and that experience on the Camino had been so profound for me. I felt like I wanted to do something with it after the fact. So it wasn't until two years later in 2015 that I took those drawings. And then what I did is I actually took all of the writing in, or the, excuse me, all of the text in the book is exactly pulled from my journals. So these are, you know, um, they're anything from poetry to my thoughts on my divorce to um, verses that I was reading at the time. They're, they're, it's very much a hodgepodge. And so I, um, but it, it really is literally my journey. And so it's, it, I never was, never had this idea of like, oh, I'm going to sell this book and I'm going to do this thing. And I love sharing it with people and folks, I've gotten such great responses from, from people who have done their own Camino or their, they, you know, people want to get it for a gift for someone that has walked the Camino. And I just, I was just like sharing my heart, honestly, it's, it's such a personal all of my art is very personal. It's not, uh, I don't work very well under the pressure of making money. <laughs> That's why I'm a book artist. <laughs> I work under the this idea of inspiration, right? That I'm I'm drawn to something and so I want to create. And so that book was is was is my first. I mean, you literally see my very first journal drawing, and then you get to walk walk with me through that that whole process. You know, you you gave up your corporate job and you've moved into this tiny house and now you're an artist and a, you're teaching and you're now a pilgrim. And and we're about to talk about a, an art residency on an island in the off Scotland. What do your family and friends make of Kari, the, the new age Kari? Uh, well, Dan, I wish I could sit and tell you that I was, I was a freelance artist all of the time. Um, but reality sets in. I mean, right now, this very, this very month, I'm working, looking for some some part time work because I need to supplement the coffers so I can go out and do my next project. So, 
I think my family and friends know that I'm always going to pursue something creative. And so they're very used to me. Um, what's the word? I bounce around a lot because I'm trying to make space for this creative life. Yeah. And, you know, I don't have like back in the day, I don't have a patron. I don't, <laughs> I don't have this rich sponsor that's just going to pay for me to make art. So I, I have lots of little streams of income and, um, you know, and then I'll like right now I'm like, okay, well, I might need to get a job for a period of time and replenish so I can go and do my next project. Um, I, I really think that, well, there's no way I would be able to do this life at all if I didn't live in this tiny house because I have, I live on my friend's property. He's one of my dearest, best friends. And um, I paid for the, the house outright. And then he charges me a pittance to park my house on his property right in downtown Portland. And so I basically have no mortgage or rent. I mean, it's so, it's so tiny. It doesn't even count. And so because I don't, that that for most people is their biggest expenditure, right? Their biggest thing they have to deal with. And so you take that off the table. If, if, if I was to tell a person, just take the mortgage out of, you know, you don't have to pay that anymore. It would free people up a lot, right? It would free you up so much to think, oh, I don't have to make all this money. What do I want to do with that time? And so that's really has been sort of my guiding force. But um, yeah, it's, it, it isn't, I wish I could say it was all rainbows and lollipops in artist land, but you know, it's hard, it's hard out here. <laughs> so I mentioned this book, Portraits of Iona, an artist's perspective yeah. in paint and prose. Tell us about the art residency on Iona, a tiny island in the Inner Hebrides off the coast of Scotland. Yes. So um, during the year that I traveled, I had a good friend. I just, I decided to go and walk the Camino Portuguese. And then I basically, I bought a one-way ticket and I really wanted to spend some time in Scotland. And I had, uh, I have heritage from there. And a good friend of mine had done, um, had gone to Iona and just raved about it. And so she's a writer and she, she just, she's looked at me and she said, you, you have to go, like, you just have to go. And so I decided that I would go. And in our conversation, she mentioned that there was uh, the hostel on the island, which actually is now, I think it's a, it's a self-catering hostel. So it doesn't actually exist in its same format. Um, and But at that time, it was a hostel. And she said, I think there's an artist residency. And if you get the artist residency, they'll give you a discount or there was some something. So I find it online and I'm thinking I'm going to have this huge application process to get into the artist residency. And I just sent a little note and I sent my, my, um, my website and I got this, this wonderful email back from John who owns, still owns the, the, um, the self catering in or whatever it's called now. And he was like, okay, you're in <laughs> like, what? It's like, yeah, when do you want to come? And I, I just, I was so shocked. I, I was, okay. So I ended up spending the month of um, February there. And February in Scotland doesn't sound very exciting, but in the sense of the weather, but it actually was stunning. It was very cold, but we had beautiful clear days. There's only like a hundred people on the island around that. And, it, and there's no cars. They, they, the, you can't bring any cars on the island. You have to take a ferry from Oban to... Uh, to the Isle of Mole, and then you get on a bus and you go across the Isle of Mole, and then you have to take another ferry from Mole onto Iona. It's you can't get there easily, but it's just this precious jewel of an island, and the colors and the landscape were stunning. So I lived there for a month, February, and I um, wrote and drew that whole time. I got different people to tell me their stories for this particular stay, I wrote a lot more because I, I had more of an intention of writing than when I was on the Camino. I also had a lot more time. I wasn't walking, you know, I wasn't walking the Camino. So I had all day to really write and draw. And at the end of that time, part of the requirement of the residency was that I had to do a, um, a small art show. And so I shared my story and I shared about the Camino and I shared my other book. And um, I think I had about 10 people attend the art show, which I was like, that's 10% of the whole population of the <laughs> island. I felt very, <laughs> I felt very popular. Uh, this, this older woman raised her hand and she said to me, well, you're going to do your next book about our island, right? And, and I thought, wow, that's a great idea. So 
I I went and continued to travel and went back to Spain and I did those art shows. And then I decided to come back to Iona for another month before I headed home. And I spent the month of November into December there at the end of that year. And so really creating, the, having those two months to create this body of work to then then put, put into this book. And so um, that if you go to Iona, um, of course you can buy my books on Amazon, but if you go to Iona and you go into the Iona Craft Shop, which is the best little shop on the island, my books are there. I know the owner. Um, and I asked him, I asked him, I said, Hey, if I write this book, will you sell your, will you sell the book in your shop? And he said, yeah, of course. <laughs> so um, it's really fun. I had lots of people um, email me and say, I bought this book on the Island and, and they, tr- they hunt me down, uh, you know, through my website and it's just so much fun. And actually this is a really cool story. One of the drawings in the book is of a tea that I had at the Argyle hotel on the Island. So I just drew my tea and um, it was in the book and I drew a couple pieces that were larger because of this art show, because I had to do a show, I decided to do a couple larger pieces so people would have those to see, you know, maybe like a 12 by 16 piece. And um, later on, many years later, I decided to sell some of those and the Argyle Hotel contacted me. I put them up on Instagram and they contacted me and they bought wow. the painting of and then they have it now framed in back in the Argo Hotel on the island. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> so fun. That is such yeah. a great story. How wonderful. And and there's also this aspect of your life um, where you write prose, right? Mm. You write prose. What's different? What, what makes it prose and not poetry? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um I think there's a, I don't know that I've ever been asked that question. I love it. I think there's a, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a little foggy, honestly, Dan. I think prose can flow into poetry and right. vice versa. Um, yeah, I yeah. think with, I think, I think there's more of a, uh, almost a, maybe a point A to point B in prose. Whereas with poetry, it, you really, you can, um, there's, there's, you can kind of let go of structure with poetry or with prose. I feel like there's a little bit of guardrails. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, but you read my prose and it, it does, it does definitely, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll step back and say, Oh, I think we've moved into poetry in this particular piece. So I, I, I really love the concept of if you can describe a place with where a person feels transported into that moment. And I really try to do that in, on, you know, in my Iona book, then you have this, um, and then combining that with the art piece. I, I, I mean, it's, it's magic to me when that happens to me with another, with something that I read. Um, I'm a huge reader. I, I grew up without a television reading is my, is my escape. And so, um, I, I'm, I think I'm more of a, a newbie writer than I think, you know, I've been an artist. I've done art for a long time, but it's really been in the last 10 years that I've really picked up the, to the writing again. And it's always a, um, it's the way I process through things. Yeah. So a lot of times when I, when I was uh, blogging during that time, I was sharing, I was sharing kind of wanting people to transport people to where I was. And so um, you know, little pieces of poetry might move in into that, but I also I kind of I wanted people to to share my journey, and so there was kind of a point A and a point B, like they yeah. were kind of journeying with me. So maybe that's I don't yeah. know if I fully answered you. No, no, but. you you did, and it was probably unfair of me to ask because as a musician, I write my own songs, and why is a why is it a lyric, not a poem? Yes, exactly. Right, <laughs> right. So, you know, I give myself an uppercut there. <laughs> Let's fast forward to January 2022. You and your friend and writer, Karen Thurston, co-published yes. a guided journal. It's called mm-hmm. She Will Be With Me, A Love Letter to My Body. Tell us about that pilgrimage, that journey. Yeah. Well, so Karen is an incredible writer and and poet, <laughs> And she's a dear friend, and we became much closer through this project. But she had written this uh, a liturgy 
um, she calls it a liturgy. And she had been working uh, at that time. She was attending um, a, a church and uh, had a group of women that were were really close. And like, I'm not going to do this justice, but you know, body image, the the way that culture has tells us who we should be, how we should look, how how we're valued by our bodies. I mean, it's definitely for everyone, but women take the brunt of it um, that, you know, we're constantly being told how we should look and constantly comparing ourselves to something that is unreachable. And so she wrote this liturgy in the process of talking to these women and basically wrote this beautiful love letter to each part of her body. So, so in the book, there's, um, she talks, there's a, a piece to her, to hands, to arms, to face, to legs, to hips, to stomach. And instead of it being predominantly about appearance, it's about the beautiful journey that you've been on. You know, how many, I, I can't, I won't even try to, to quote Karen's beautiful, beautiful writing, but it's stunning. It's And so what the concept was is that she had these pieces she wanted to put them into a journal. And so she reached out to me and said, hey, would you want to do art for this and then potentially design the journal that would, it would all fit into? And so I did that. I did these larger um, figurative pieces that we wanted to, of course, are not going to represent every woman, but we wanted them to be, um, they, they could represent a multitude of women. So you don't look at them and identify a specific person. Um, and so those are intertwined with the liturgy. And then after the liturgy, there's each, there's multiple pages for, for journaling. And so there's these, um, basically she poses questions that are prompts for you to really think about your body in a different way. And because there's this idea that we should all love our bodies. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we want to be neutral. Sometimes we just, it's almost this idea of just learning to be at peace in our bodies. And so the, the whole goal of this was, is really that. And so we published that together. We are still, um, you know, the world of self-publishing is so interesting. <laughs> I'm sure that you've heard various stories, but we self-published this. We would love to find someone who would bring it to a broader audience we because it's a journal we really wanted it to be have really high quality paper and that is a really hard thing to find in the world of self-publishing and so you know we wanted it to be a journal that we would want to touch and feel and yeah. and be able to write on and so we found a very small little you know there's a um uh, online company it's not necessarily small but it's a little bit more obscure called blurb most people do photo books out of it. Um, but the problem is, is that you have to log in to buy a book. So it's not, it's not very easy for folks to get to it. So she and I, we're actually having dinner tomorrow night, <laughs> which is awesome. And we've been cogitating about trying to get it, trying to submit it to some publishers to see if maybe we could get it out to a broader audience because it's a beautiful piece and one that is definitely, you know, it was so challenging because. Um, it's one thing to paint a landscape. It's another thing to paint the human form. And, um, but it really turned out beautiful. And I, I, I would love every person that has gotten one has commented on how meaningful it was to them. And so I'd love for people to be able to find it and see it and use it. So. Is it available now? Can we get it now? It is available now. You can absolutely buy a blurb. Um, I didn't. I didn't find out until after we had published it on there that you have to log in. You have to kind of create a whole login to buy the book. And so you still can do that and it's available to buy there. Um, but as I said, we we're hoping that we might be able to get it out in the world in a different manner sometime soon, but yeah. yes, it is absolutely available and you can buy it hardback or you can buy a paperback. There you go. And then we also created a very, if someone doesn't want, want the journal, we created a little like a booklet that takes out all of the journal pages. So someone can, you know, if they don't want to spend the money on a, on a journal, they can just have the liturgy and the art. So, yeah. It's called, she will be with me, a love letter to my body uh, by Kari Gale and Karen Thurston. So that's fantastic. That'd be a good Christmas present for someone. I think it'd be, I mean, <laughs> I think it's a fabulous present for 
every woman out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I always do my my research and I read on your website some of your favorite things are delicious Negroni, bright red lipstick and karaoke with friends. Now, I think this question can say a lot about someone, Kari. What is your go-to karaoke song? Come on. Well, I have a karaoke artist. She's my muse, Pat Benatar. Kids now don't really know Pat Benatar. No. They know the song. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a lot of Love Love is a Battlefield. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, I played at I played at someone's 50th birthday party. Uh, this woman was turning 50 and I was playing out in the back garden. And um her husband had messaged me during the week and said, Look, if you can play all fired up, um, she will, oh, she will she will all fired up is amazing. Right, right. If you can play all fired up, she'd just love it, you know. So she's she's very very sophisticated corporate high flyer, this woman. And you know, there was a very fancy party, and I'm playing in the backyard, you know, and and I came, you know, every there was about half a dozen people dancing, and it was a good night, you know, everyone was having a good time and yeah. enjoying enjoying everything. I hit with all fired up, and this woman just went completely berserk. Oh my God, this woman went nuts. And and everybody's just screaming the house down. She's grabbed the microphone. She's like, she's doing her best Pat Benatar. The whole night just went nuts from that moment on. It was just fantastic. Yeah, right on. Because for me, it's knowing yes. knowing me, knowing you, Abba. Uh-huh. Well, I'm a huge ABBA fan. And you know what's so funny? It's just this weekend. I was at the coast with my family for my mom's 80th birthday. And uh, my sister-in-law has not seen Muriel's wedding. Ah. Yeah. Are you familiar? Of course. Of course. Okay. I'm like, you're from Australia. You have to know this movie. You're terrible, Muriel. You're, my sister and I, that is our lot. Every time anything, yeah. we're like, you're terrible, Muriel. Um, and of course, I loved ABBA way before that. I grew up on ABBA. But I um, I did. So when, there was one time, Dan, where... There's a there's a um, a bar here in town where you could you used to be able to do karaoke with a live band. Oh yeah, yeah. And I and I chose Dancing Queen and I got up and did my Dancing Queen um, with the live band. That was the only ABBA song they had available. But um, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Yeah, fantastic. You know? How good? How good? Look, I've only got a couple more questions. We've been talking for almost an hour. Um, I'm often intrigued by artists. If you're journaling every day, you're painting or drawing every day, what makes one piece more special than another to end up on your wall at home? Wow. Well, it's interesting. Um, if I look around, so my tiny house is very limited wall space. There's a lot of windows, like almost one whole side is windows. So uh, I have a lot of art from my family like so my grandpa was an artist my my aunt my great aunt was an artist my dad did artwork so a lot of the pieces are not my own um but the one piece i do have is one of the pieces i took home from the exhibition uh in spain and it's it's of an olive it's 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 the camino weaving its way through some olive trees wow and um it just was very this was on the camino portugues and it, I love the colors. I have I have to love the colors and the you know the um, the subject matter, but also it it just every single piece I have in my home has so much meaning to for me, and so um, and that's one that that's literally every, I talked earlier about every single item I have has meaning, and mm. so each art piece is always going to for me um, take me back to a moment in time, and so I only have I have a few pieces of my own um the other piece that i have that's a painting is one i did after i got home from the camino and it is of the camino it's it's kind of winding up a mountainside in the camino but um yeah i i tend not to show my own art that much because i really like showing lots of different styles of yeah, art you know? yeah right yeah i think it's fascinating yeah. I, I, and the other question i often ask and i know there's no answer to it is when is the piece finished Goodness. Well, so here's the beauty that one of the things I love about journal art is you really can't um, pick at what I, because I use watercolor, if you are an oil painter, if you're an acrylic painter, you can keep coming back to that painting over and over yeah. and over yeah. again. So it is probably not the best 
type or, you know, medium to use if you're a perfectionist. One of the things I love about not only watercolor, but this using the ballpoint pen is I commit, I go in, I'm, it's actually a very fairly quick process. I usually complete a painting in maybe an hour. And, um, on the Camino, I would do, I would do the drawing kind of the drawing part at the beginning. And then sometimes later on in the evening, I would finish it. And, um, but I, I didn't have, you know, a ton of time. And usually I was like sitting on a bunk bed or, you know, it was, I wasn't in a studio. And even now where you and I are talking this, I have a little tiny desk. This is my studio space. So I, I complete my art fairly quickly. And then I let go of it and I move on, which is really good for me personally, um, because I would go back and pick at it if I could. But because it's watercolor, you really can't keep working a piece. You 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 literally will almost go through the paper, especially because the journals that I use, the paper isn't super thick. It's not like a, a real thick watercolor paper. Um, so I have to kind of create and then let go. And that's really good just just from a standpoint of my own emotional process of art making yeah yeah well look it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you uh the website is fantastic it's got all the information that anybody needs who might want to take up an offer uh, an offer of one of the courses you offer tell us just quickly what it is you do uh, and and give yourself a plug yeah so the courses are i have two courses two travel journal courses one is the art of noticing travel journal and then the other one is the art of noticing Camino de Santiago Pilgrim Journal course. So the two courses are very, very similar. The Pilgrim Journal course is really geared toward folks that are going to walk the Camino de Santiago. And so I talk a lot more about the Camino in it and bring that experience into the process. Basically, I walk through supplies, like my kit, what I used on the Camino and and what I still use now. I go through Um, You can either order the kit from me online, like order it all done, or I actually, the moment that you sign up for my, um, my newsletter, you will get a video on exactly how to make the kit yourself. So you can just do it yourself, which is great. So I walk through each one of my supplies, how I use them, exactly how I use them in the context of creating journal art. Then I go through really um, all the tips and tricks that I use to create. And and when, and a lot of these are different than, you know, you might use just to draw anytime you want. Some of them are, are done specifically for you're out drawing live. This is about drawing live. So how do you capture something simple, quickly, without, you know, without having a background of art making? And so um, I walk through all of that. And then, um, and then at the end, something that I didn't haven't done in my workshops, but I added onto the courses is is writing. I have a, a section on writing and like how do I capture um, the moment in words as as well as imagery. And so, really, at the end of the day, you should be able to take your journal, take your kit, and go out on your adventure, and um, and be able to start creating right away. And um, and this is, and I call it travel journaling, but you know, the last number of years, none of us have been able to travel. But I really think that, you know, this is this this type of uh kit and the journal is perfect for going out and drawing in your backyard, going out to the park. You know, you don't have to be going on a huge trip to to use all of the things that I teach you in this class. You can do it anytime. And in fact, I haven't personally been able to do a lot of traveling for a variety of reasons. And so I use this just, uh, you know, I did, I took it on my, I went backpacking in August and I, t- I take, always take my journal whenever I'm doing anything outdoors so I can capture those moments. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, the Camino course is specific for pilgrims. The other course is for anyone. But yeah, I'm excited to offer them and I'm hopefully going to be adding some more classes, some more specific uh, courses, um, you know, in the next couple months. Well, it's been a real pleasure, Carrie, talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I love the art. The website, as I said, is fantastic and the prose as well. I'll tell my listeners how and where to find you in the podcast outro. I look forward to meeting you face to face one day, Uh, perhaps even on the Camino, hey? I would absolutely love it, Dan. Yeah, in the meantime, yeah, has been a pleasure. Buen Camino. Igualmente. My guest this week was Kari Gale. 
You can find Kari, her work and her courses at karigale.com. That's Kari with a K, K-A-R-I-G-A-L-E.com. And Kari has very kindly offered my listeners a very special offer. If you go to karigale.com and type in the discount code MYCAMINO25, all uppercase, MYCAMINO25, it's good for 25% off anything on Kari's website, including courses, books and prints. Good for one month, November 28th, that's the day of this podcast release, through to December 28th, that's 2023. Perfect with Christmas just a few weeks away. The playwright George Bernard Shaw said, You use a glass mirror to see your face. You use works of art to see your soul. So true. Thanks for your company this week and every week. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere.